As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Blazin' Powers is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals of last-minute tickets. Did you know Blackhawks tickets tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real-time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You know, personally, I when I get on the site, I, I love how you can see the panoramic views. You can see where exactly where you're sitting. Uh, you know what sort of view you're going to have when you have the tickets, and when you get there, it, it's 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 what they sell you. So it's uh, it's easy to see where you're going to sit and and how the, it's going to look where you sit. So uh, so go ahead to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Game Time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers of The Athletic here with Mark Lazarus. Um, I am in Boston, in lovely Boston. Mark is in his lovely home in Indiana. Uh, it's a uh, Thursday. Um, so I thought we'd talk about your love or dislike for pickles all throughout this podcast because there's not really much else to talk about. You know, yeah, my, my Twitter feed has been blowing up just a little bit since uh, Tuesday night, and uh, that was the one take that bothered me the most was that anyone could possibly like pickles. They're awful. I, I like dill pickles. I, 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 no, I you're wrong. Form. They're all awful. Nah, see, when, when we go to Manny's, you don't have a pickle? No, I, specific, I, I, I either oh, ask for it not to be or I immediately... I immediately take it off the plate and drop it on the tray where I don't have to look at it. Uh, well, next time, can I, can I have your pickle? So, yeah, absolutely. The problem with the pickle <laughs> is it seeps into everything. Like, if it's even leaning on your fries or your chips or your sandwich, everything you eat tastes like pickles from now on. Like you can't you can't get that stink off of it. Uh, see, I like it, so. 
Um, should we talk hockey or we should talk everything else? Yeah, let's talk a little hockey first because you're in Boston, which is you know probably the best team in hockey, uh, the Boston Bruins. And the Blackhawks, oh, my God, you were there at practice day. You were traveling. So we're at practice, and, you know, three-quarters of the team is hurt right now, basically, and they played with 11 forwards and, and six defensemen the other night against St. Louis because of cap issues and injuries, and Robin Leonard got sick. And here we are, like, five minutes into practice. Zach Smith delivers an accidental elbow right to Patrick Kane's face. He crumples on the ice. He's down there for a, a solid 30 seconds or so, very slowly gets up, shaking his head loose, you know, shaking out the, uh, you know, the stars in his eyes or whatever happened, and he skates off, and he's off for practice, and we're like, oh, my God, now things are really getting real. Uh, turns out he's fine. Colleton said he's totally fine, but it kind of goes to show where the Blackhawks are right now, where their luck is right now, that even at practice, they're at danger of, uh, of harm. Could you imagine this team without Keith or Kane? I, I feel like those are the two pieces. Cause even now you have two goalies. Taves isn't playing like Taves. Everyone else is, is fine, whatever. But without Kane and Keith, this team is, it, it really doesn't stand up at all, you know? No, it's 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 not even it's it's not even close. I mean, for all those years that they were a cup contender and, and winning championships, Keith was the engine that made everyone go. And I used to always say that Taves was the indispensable forward because if you lost Kane, there were other scorers on that team: Marion Hosa, Patrick Sharp, Jonathan Taves. There were lots of guys that could put the puck in the net, but there wasn't anybody who could do all the things that Taves does. But like you said, Taves isn't himself these days, and Kane is almost the entire offense himself. So. He is now the indispensable forward, and Keith continues to be the indispensable defenseman, no question. You know, you know, it's interesting. I wrote that article for Tuesday about uh, breaking down the practice, and I and I watched practice in a different way than I never had. Like, I just – not that we're not watching it, but we're – you know, like I was watching, like, every single drill and then going through video. Um, and, and you sort of see, like, from, like – I mean, some of it's, like, a one-on-one, you know, two-on-two perspective, so it's not really, like, hockey always. But, like, from, like, individual athleticism and what they're doing with the puck and, like, a Kane blows by, you know, people and he's, he's flying through and you see all the things. But, like, one-on-one, Saad – I don't understand why Saad doesn't have 30, 40 goals sometimes, you know. Like, but I, I feel like he's evolving. It feels like he should have 30 or 40 goals this season already. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Like, just from, like, an athletic standpoint and what he was doing and – uh, to, to multiple people, you know, like like you saw some of it in like Kubalik, and and you and you know that he's got some athleticism and some ability, but outside of Kane, like Sad was the one that I, I felt like was toying with people sometimes, and and and, and part of it's just the finish with Sad because I, I feel like he does a lot, and I I, I almost think sometimes like he's like uh, Ricky Vaughn with the uh, the Major League, maybe you just put the right glasses on him, everything changes, <laughs> and, he, and he scores more goals because everything else is there. Like it was, it was, it was really interesting to watch. Like one doing that story was something I'd wanted to do, and it was, it was different, and it, it was neat to kind of. Um, and, I, and I wasn't sure like what sort of input I'd get from the players, and then I talked to Slater Cuckoo first, and he he was great, and Strom was great, and then you know Carlton was 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 good with with his answers, and um, but yeah, just having watched the practice in a different way and kind of looking at players in a different way, it was uh, yeah, it was fascinating, and I I came away even more impressed with Assad and just sort of what he does right now. Yeah, well, with all due respect to Kane and what he was able to do in the 15-game point streak and everything, Saad has been the best player, best forward on this team this season. Like, consistently, night in, night out, he's bringing it every night. And, you know, you saw the the skill he has. People don't talk about his skill. They talk about his two-way game and his Marion Hosa-like uh, ability sometimes. But the skill he has, you know, the way he danced through the Blues defense uh, on one of those rushes on Monday night was extraordinary. It was, it was Dangle City. And then he just, there's no finish, and it's... It's frustrating. You talk to him, and he's frustrated by it too. Like he knows he's around the net a lot. Uh, he he scored thirty one goals, I think it was one time in Columbus. So he's got it 
but he should be at least at 20 goals every year. But w- w- with his ability and his strength on the puck, and his, he's just impossible to move off the puck, uh, yet he really he's, he's, he's got speed, he's got size, he's got skill. He just hasn't shown the finish, uh, although I think he's second on the team in goals this year. So uh, it, it, it's it, you'd love to see a 35-goal season out of the guy because he certainly has the ability. I just pulled up the numbers. He's at, he's at eleven point six shooting percentage, which isn't bad. It's it's a little bit above his career average. I wonder if it's just it's a matter of him, just the quantity thing. Like if if you're like he when he scored thirty one goals, he was at thirteen point three percent, so it was a little bit higher. Um, he's he's normally been around eleven uh, eleven point nine to to about uh, you know he had that one bad year in seventeen eighteen where he was at seven point six and he's finished with eighteen goals. So. I wonder too if it's just it's getting in, uh, maybe it's an ice time thing where you, you just get more quantity or being more aggressive. But you know if he can be at eleven, twelve percent, and uh, and just maybe shoot more, maybe the numbers go up. But yeah, I, I you know I guess eleven point six percent that's respectable. He's scoring some shorthanded goals, so he's got two shorthanded goals. So he has six, six. I don't know if some of them command four and four, but he's got no power play goals too. He's not really used on the power play. Last year he had six power play goals, so. It's almost like maybe maybe tap into him more and figure out more ways that you can get him going. Because yeah, I, I guess from an individual standpoint, like he seems like he's rolling. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, you know, I talked to him. I remember in Berlin about the the minutes he was getting, and you know, he's being used in that third line with Camp and Kubalik, which is a really good line. But as a result, he was only getting like 12, 13, 14 minutes a night. And he said, "I want to be a top guy. I want to be playing twenty minutes a night. I want to be the guy who's out there all the time." And this month, well, last month, November, he started getting used that way. They put him back on Jonathan Taze's line. He had eleven points in November, five goals, six assists. That's almost a point a game. So we're seeing what he can do with that kind of minutes. And he's playing seventeen, eighteen, nineteen minutes a night. Uh, he deserves those minutes. He's been the most consistent forward in the team. If they can just find a right winger for that top line, and I feel like we talk about this a lot then maybe maybe that gets Taves going. But I don't understand. Can you give me a reason other than, and, and the, cynis, the, the cynical nature of, my, of me is saying it's because they need to justify the Yoki Haru trade. How is Alex Nylander still in that spot when he, other than two garbage time goals against Nashville, he's done almost nothing for like a solid month now. How is he still getting that top line minutes? Yeah, it's... I think Carlton doesn't love Kubalik, you know, like or or he just wants us not that he maybe dislikes him, but he he wants to see more out of him. And I feel like he's been used as an example. He's been a guy who's been a healthy scratch, so maybe it's it's he feels like he's promoting someone, um, just for the sake of demoting someone. And yeah, I don't. I it, it's, I mean, it, it makes sense that it would give him the chance because Sad and Kubalik, I think, have had the most chemistry. Outside of that, the Brinkett Kane, you know, Strom line, and that's what um, Sad needs. Sad needs a shooter on his opposite wing. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they've they've really they were really good. I mean, that, that with Camp, that Sad Camp Kubalik line was the best line early in the season. Yeah, I don't know. He he just he hasn't given it a try. And um, and at this point, I mean, it, it, Nylander's kind of standing still. Like it, it, it early on, you saw some progress and you saw some, uh, you know, that it, that was coming along. But now it's it's been pretty stale. And and the fact that you need you need something different, you know, especially without without Keith in the lineup, I think you're a little bit more susceptible to goals. Um, you know, I, I think we've seen obviously even with with Keith was in there. I mean, Colorado was still running running around, um, and the schedule is it's going to get tough. Not that it's going to get tougher, but it's still tough here out through this whole stretch. And Keith's going to be out these next two games. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like you, you'd almost be tinkering with everything else just to uh, see if you can get a different response because it, what it is right now isn't working. 
not much is working right now. I mean, you know, just a week ago we were talking about, oh, those are two really solid performances against Dallas. You know, this team responded well after their hot streak was interrupted by the losses to Carolina and Tampa at home, and they responded. They got three out of four points against Dallas. They were played really good, solid, all-around 60-minute games, and then they just completely shat the bed against Colorado in a home-and-home. And then uh, against the Blues, they lost 4 nothing in a, a very dispiriting game with a lot of their players missing and down a man. Uh, the goaltending has come back to earth a little bit, which, you know, it's certainly not their fault. They're getting hung out to dry a lot, but that was inevitable. They weren't going to be playing at a 950 save percentage all year. There's going to be some nights where they don't uh, make the big stops. And now you got Boston coming up, and, you know, New Jersey is not very good, but they're playing under a new coach. There tends to be a, a little fire lit under there. Arizona's good. Then you go on the road to Vegas, Arizona, St. Louis again. Minnesota. How the hell is Minnesota good all of a sudden? I have no idea how that's happening, but they're on like an 11-game point streak. And then you got Colorado again. Then you're at Winnipeg, and then you're at Colorado. And, oh, my God, things could look really bad by Christmas um, if something doesn't change here. Yeah, I mean, the standings where they looked, you know, looked respectable. Like, all of a sudden you felt like you were in the mix. And on now now they're, I mean, they're, they're last in the Central uh they're four point Nashville, which strangely, I mean, who the world beaters when they played the Blackhawks that first time, they're uh, they're in sixth place and they're, they're four points ahead. Minnesota's uh, five points ahead of the Blackhawks. Um, you know, Winnipeg's playing better. Obviously, Colorado's getting guys healthy, and and, and St. Louis is uh, there's 17 point difference between the Blues and, and the Blackhawks, and uh, people can point to last year all they want, and, and there were times where I think the the Blues were you know 17, 18 points behind the division, but um, it, it's not common, and, and the Blackhawks need to the, sooner than later. It, it, something's got to come because it's going to get out of get out of hand, like you said, one with the schedule, and then um, it's just yeah. I don't know if this team has it in it to do what it did again last year too. You know, like last year, uh, it, it felt like things finally clicked, and you know, you got the power play going, and they got the system a little bit, and now you've already implemented that, and, and if it's not working, um, and, and the thing is, it did work for a minute, you know, like and then then you started playing some really good teams. Um, and and it didn't work. So the, the question is, I mean, what are the Blackhawks, right? Like, are they are they a team that can play with Dallas and you know Nashville's and but when it comes to Colorado and St. Louis and Boston, are are those teams just at a different level where they where they can't play with them? It sure seems that way. I mean, like you said, that there there are times there are times when the Blackhawks can elevate their game. They get some great goaltending. The offense clicks. A power play goal here or there. And honestly, if the power play started working at all things would look a little different right now. Yeah. But there are times when the Blackhawks are like, that's a team that can make the playoffs. But it's not consistent. It's not even half the time right now. Uh, I, I, it, it's getting, it's, I feel like we had this conversation in late October too, but it's getting pretty bleak right now. There's not a lot of reason for hope. And they're, they're stuck in this nether region where you know even if things go really south, it's not like they can blow this thing up. They've got a lot of young guys that are working their way in. They're not there yet. And they got a lot of older guys that are unmovable. So they're kind of stuck here. There's, there's not a, they're going to be in that situation the Bulls were in for years, where they're just good enough to sort of matter, but not win anything and not really pro- progress forward. And that's just the worst place you can be as a franchise. You know, I, 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 we had our tape-to-tape discussion last week, and I think I'm still more optimistic than most because I do believe that there's a lot of good young talent that's going to come in and make things better pretty soon. But in the meantime, man, it's just you're running in place at best. Well, two things need to happen. One, Duncan Keith needs to get healthy because without Duncan Keith, I I don't think this team, uh, I think the ceiling is pretty low because uh, you know it was a, it was a weak defense, um, 
already like you, you saw holes in it and 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 Duncan Keith at 36 shouldn't be playing the minutes he has he shouldn't be given the role he has but that's what it is and then you take that away and it, and it really uh, yeah just accentuates the rest of the defense and and just the speed's not there and and, and the flaws in it um and the other thing is you need to bring it in Taves you know I, I feel like we've been talking about it for weeks now um but but for Taves, they have one five-on-five goal, and Debrinkit, I, I think they have one or two. Um, and these guys were such a huge piece of even last year, where they where they struggled, um, that they were those were the guys for producing. Now, and, and I don't feel like anyone's really picked up the slack. I mean, Kane's been been amazing, and and, and I know Debrinkit, and you know, is 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 helping out. He's been you know has some bunch of primary assists and that thing. But uh, you're 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 about to pay this guy millions of dollars to be a goal scorer, and I go through. I know he goes through slumps, but uh, for this team to succeed. The ingredients that need to happen, right? You need to get Caves and to bring it going. Otherwise, I think it's always going to be kind of up and down. And if you're always relying on Kane, that some nights it'll work and sometimes it won't. But and then you need to figure out. I mean, they haven't really been too open about what Duncan Keith's status is. That you know, it was like, oh, well, you know, we'll see you tomorrow, and then he's not going in this game. And um, it's going to be a week, you know, as of um, uh, you know, what what Thursday will be what a you know he injured himself yeah. last Friday so and we're coming on a week here and, and there's not really any uh you know usually they'll put out like oh he's out for one to two weeks so I, I don't know if it's something where they're, they're unsure or they just don't want to be too too revealing about it but he's going to be out for a week and he's going to have missed uh uh you know three and a half games and, and you got this huge stretch coming up and I, I think if they're going to have any hope of having success you need Duncan Keith on the on the ice yeah and and, and the concussion issues the team is having are, are, are kind of alarming you have you know, Dylan Strome admitted to playing through a concussion, basically. He he had some headaches, and then he went out and played against Dallas. At, at the end of the Tampa game, he was having headaches, and he was feeling okay-ish the next day, but still had headaches, but didn't think too much of it. Played the whole Dallas game, and then the next morning was still dealing with the symptoms and realized, shit, I better say something to somebody, which, to his credit, like, you know, years ago, a player wouldn't have done that. And these guys are so much smarter and so much more aware of their own bodies now than they used to be, where, you know, you do have players self-reporting, which needs to happen, but... Uh, you know, Kajula's was kind of the same way, or where it didn't present itself till a couple of days later. And you know, concussions are so tricky. Now Andrew Shaw's been concussion protocol, and you just never know when these guys are going to come back. It sounds like Strom might be able to play uh, in Boston, which would be a, a huge lift for the team. Obviously, Ryan Carpenter shouldn't be your second line center. He's been a nice ad, but he shouldn't be your second line center. But uh, there's so much, so much uncertainty with these injuries they're dealing with right now. Even Andrew Shaw, he hasn't been super productive, but he's an important depth player for this team, and the top nine looks different without him. Um, th- there's a lot that needs to happen in a hurry for this team to get back into where it needs to be in time for even a a, a push to be relevant. Yeah, and and it could Kajula had I think he self-reported it too after because uh, he had pra- like he he had he got hit in the face with the puck, went and got uh, tested, came back on the ice, played the rest of the game, practiced the next day, and then uh, they traveled and then he felt something. So, um. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how it, the head works well enough, but it, I mean that's it doesn't, it, it hasn't. Had, and Jeremy Carlton admit, admitted to like this isn't usually how it unfolds, so it, it, it's a scary thing. And um, you know, Shaw's Shaw's certainly suffered multiple concussions, and you know, I'd ask Carlton on Tuesday, like, I, I, do you worry about players because he, he, you know, his career ended, and and he did, and he, you know, he, he admitted that, you know, he. He wants these guys to have a life after hockey, and when you see someone like Shaw, the game that he plays and how hard he plays, and then he suffers concussions, it uh, you certainly question, you know, how much longer can a player do this, or you know, how many more concussions that he have, and then what it what it means. Um, we should have uh, we should have Daniel Carcillo on here and talk about concussions. 
sure. which might be a good a good transition to also having Daniel Carcillo come on and talk about uh, many <laughs> everything things. else. Yeah, th- things are pretty bleak on the ice. They're they're not so happy off the ice either. Uh, Mark Crawford, uh, assistant coach, longtime head coach in the league, very much known for being a hard ass uh, kind of coach. Uh, a bunch of allegations resurfaced. These weren't all new ones. Sean Avery was the new one in the wake of the Bill Peters and and uh, and and Mike Babcock emotional torture and all that stuff that came out. Uh, Sean Avery went to USA Today and said that you know Crawford kicked him. And you had the uh, Patrick O'Sullivan uh, allegations he made in his book four years ago. And now Crawford is away from the team. The Blackhawks are investigating. Um, you know, Crawford's argument is clearly going to be, and this is from talking to a few people around the league that. This stuff was 10, 12 years ago. Um, he was a known commodity, but he's changed. He's a different man now. And you talk to Blackhawks about it, and they say he's not that way anymore, which leads us to this very tricky, delicate conversation of, you know, what lines that are crossed that are so unforgivable that even 12 years later, if you've changed, you can't come back from. And I don't know what the answer to that is, and nobody really does, and I, I, at the risk of, of, of being trumped by news in the morning if they release something, I don't think Crawford comes back. And I think that has to do with the fact that the Akeem Alou, Bill Peters incident happened under the Blackhawks' nose without them knowing. And I think that if that hadn't happened, maybe Crawford could work his way back, but it's a PR nightmare to bring the guy back in this climate um, in, in the wake of learning that the you know your, your Ice Hogs coach was dropping the N-bomb around a black player in an otherwise all-white locker room, uh, just ten years ago, um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if I truly believe that Mark Crawford deserves to be fired, but I think he's going to be. I've been thinking about this a lot the last few days, and um, part of it, I, one, I, I feel some accountability in the media. We, we, all these stories were there, right? Like it was when he was we knew hired, the Sobel yeah. thing was there. Um, I didn't know the O'Sullivan stuff as well. You know, I. I um, but th- these were all stories that were there, and and Sopel being in Chicago, being a part of that uh, that ten Stanley Cup team. Um, I don't know what his relationship with the Blackhawks is over the last year, but I, I feel like if he was Patrick Sharp or Patrick Kane and, and had said those same things, that maybe maybe it's a different discussion with like maybe you turn to the Sopel and ask, you know, what, what's your feelings about Mark Crawford? Because what he said was pretty strong and. And, yeah. I, and I feel like we all turn, at least from a media perspective, we kind of turn the blind eye, like, oh, it's hockey, and it's kind of, you know, spitting chiclets. It was kind of, um, I mean, it was serious, but it was, you know, like it was, it was also like this. It's, fun... pre- it's it's presented almost in a fun way, yeah. Yeah, like oh, that's what hockey used to be, and I, and I, and and the hockey community and and us as the media too, we're all accountable that we, we, I don't know, one, it was either it's okay because that was what hockey was, or we turned a blind eye. And then it's also, I think there's a lot of accountability, you know, we'll get to, we'll get to Mark Crawford, but also on the Blackhawks, like it's, what did you know and how did you discuss that? You know, like how much did that come into play? Like, you know, this guy has this history. Um, you certainly, I'm sure they had to be aware at least of what Brent Sobel said, whether they asked him or not. Like I, you would hope that maybe you go to a former player and like, what do you think of him? And uh, like all those conversations I, I would hope would be had, but I, 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 for some reason doubted too, because it was, was so much was turned a blind eye. And then, and then there, you know, like Mark Crawford was there, like when uh, the convention was and uh, like, we didn't ask him and, you know, like there were, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's all these missed opportunities and, and you would Absolutely. hope, you would hope the Blackhawks would have, like, this would have been something that Jeremy Carlton talked about or, 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 or his organization talked about, like, do, you know, we knew all these stories and, and it's a different different climate. I don't know, you know, if 
if it's next summer, I don't think Mark Crawford gets hired by the Blackhawks. You know, I, I think it's a lot harder. But you know, it's it's so weird to think that even in the Me Too movement and how everything's changed, that even um, in 2019, that you know, as, as of last summer, like it was being ignored. Like no one was thinking like, well, Mark Crawford has accusations of people kicking him and and potentially right. you know and, and allegedly choking people and all these things and and no one cared and 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 now we do. Um, and, and then, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, there has to be accountability, right? Like, there has someone has to pay a price at some point, and uh, and you want to see Mark Crawford say he's sorry and apologize, and um, but is is that enough accountability? Like, at some point, he probably should have lost his job back then, and then right. maybe well, you get a chance that's to the problem. Yeah, you get a chance to redeem yourself and work yourself up, and. I don't know if just saying sorry is enough and then you go back to your job. I, I don't I don't know if there's enough accountability with that. Yeah, and that's I, I, I you know, I will freely admit that I was I, I've been in on cancel culture over the last couple of years. You know, the first time you hear about, you know, something that Louis C. K. did, I was a big Louis C. K. fan. Get rid of him. I don't want to see him anymore. I don't want him on TV. You know, I, he doesn't deserve it. Uh, same thing when a you know, whether it's Justin Trudeau or, or, or Northam in Virginia, find out that 20 years ago they wore blackface. I don't care. Get rid of them. I don't want anyone. That's a line you don't cross. And I don't know where I stand on this, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm conflicted on it because, you know, Bill Peters, I don't want to see him in the NHL again. I don't want to see him coaching a hockey team again. There's too much. You know, it's been corroborated. He's essentially admitted it to it in, in that letter to Brad Living. Uh, using the N-word uh, around a black hockey player in the whitest sport imaginable? No, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to ever hear from you ever again. Um, Mark Crawford, I don't know what he did. I don't know how violent a kick in the butt of Sean Avery is. And, and you know, I, the last thing you want to do is, is, is victim shame or anything like that, but Sean Avery is proven over the years to be a relatively unreliable narrator and a person with agendas. And I don't know what you make of that. I don't know how you, you know, square all these circles at the same time. I don't know how to reconcile all this. With Crawford, I don't know if... I feel like it's multiple incidents. Like, like whether it is, you, it is. you believe Avery or not, like, there's O'Sullivan, there's Sol- There's other people saying the same thing, exactly. Yeah. So, but, you know, but what what is the line? Because I, I, we'd be naive to think that that kind of stuff doesn't didn't happen all the time, all around the league. We'd all love to think that everybody is Joel Quenville, who had a good relationship with his players, and you know he used ice time as the ultimate arbiter of uh, whether to, to motivate you and things like that. It was the carrot and it was the stick, and he was a good coach who players loved, even though he could be a hard ass. He wasn't abusive to anybody. There's never been a story like that out. We'd all love to be, think that all coaches are like that, but it'd be naive to think that. But at the same time, if we got people coming out and accusing him of this, how do you bring him back into the fold in this climate, in the wake of knowing that Bill Peters was doing that stuff under your nose? It's it's a difficult conversation. And, you know, I had a tweet Tuesday night where I basically it was it was basically a, 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 a zero tolerance, you know, cancel culture tweet where I well, let me let me find it here real quick. Um it's been making the rounds. I said, if one more person, because all day yesterday I had people going, oh, every everyone's a snowflake. You're you're soft if you can't handle a little tough love from your coach. This is her her Brooks. Hey, everyone hated her Brooks. And they loved. They played hard for him. So I wrote, if one more person laments to me the wussification of sports, of boys, of men, of America, I'm going to scream. Being an asshole is not manly. Inflicting pain is not inspirational. You know it takes strength, empathy, kindness, humanity. Get the fuck out of here with your backward bullshit. And. You know, that's that's actually a tweet that Robin Leonard, I went up to talk to him after practice day for a different thing. We were talking about mental health issues for a different story I'm working on. And he went steered the conversation into, 
kind of about that tweet and about Mark Crawford and about Bill Peters and cancel culture and all that. And we talked for 20 minutes. It was mostly, it was, he talked for about 19 minutes and 55 seconds of that, but we were talking and, uh, uh we're going to play the full audio here on the podcast. It's also on the, on the athletic website on the story where I transcribed it all. Um, he has a different view than me in a lot of ways. We, we agree on a lot. We agree that mental health education and, and, and showing coaches that there's proof that treating players like this does not get a better performance out of them. It actually creates an anxious atmosphere that makes them perform worse more often than not. That's the key. Education is always the silver bullet with these things. But Leonard said, look, I was a bad guy in the past, and I got a second chance. Why can't we give these guys second chances too? He said, Mark Crawford's great. I love the guy. He's been great to me all year. And if he's changed, why should something from 10 years ago bring him down now? And I disagree to a degree with him there because you know, 10 years ago, we knew it was bad to choke a player, to kick a player, to abuse a player. I, I, that's the thing. I think there's that physical line, right? Like it's yell at him, do whatever you want. And, and, and there's, there's lines to that too. But once you get physical with someone like it's, it's no longer, yeah, it's no longer acceptable. And, and, and what a lot of what Robin Leonard did to himself was, was self-inflicted, you know, like this is someone that I'm not asking someone to kick me or possibly, you know, choke me. It just, it, it's out of the, there's a line that regardless of what generation is, I think, right. Uh, this is this isn't a teacher slapping a kid on the on, on the wrist with a ruler, you know. Like this is, um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's a real intent there to, uh, and it was interesting. I, I hadn't read Patrick O'Sullivan's book, and, and and then when when everything went down, you know, I, I got I got an e e copy and started reading it pretty quickly. And um, and he had said that you know he had, he had an abusive father, and um, and th- this incident with Mark Crawford happened once, and and he's like Mark Crawford crossed the line. And he knew it pretty quickly the way I reacted, but he's like, you know, he kicked me, and um, he knew that wasn't right. And he's like, I can, I, I could take the verbal, you know, the verbal abuse. I can take you sitting me, like all that sucked. But once you, once right. you get physical, like it's just a different, it's a different level, and, and it's hard to come back from. And, and not that, not that Mark Crawford doesn't have to hockey, have to have a, he shouldn't have an opportunity to coach again, maybe someone down the line. But I, I don't know. I feel like you have to work your way up, and you have to prove that you're a different person. I don't think you get yeah. to continue to have an NHL career um, just because you say sorry. There has to be some accountability, and some of it has to be on the NHL too, where they they allowed these things to happen. Other organizations that happened under the watch. And um, well, this is what this is. Daniel Carcillo, who who Leonard mentioned a couple of times in our discussion, he wanted an opportunity to clarify what he was what his mission is, and he sent me a, a text that I, I tweeted out for him. And uh, his point was great. He's saying, look. A lot of people have done this, and he talked about how he's gotten a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. He said, "You got to get out in front of it. You got to d- apologize now. Say I did this stuff ten years ago, and I feel awful about it. And I apologize to that person. I'm a different person now. Do it now. Don't wait until someone accuses you. Don't wait until a reporter says, "Hey, I heard this from someone." Get in front of it. And there's a lot to be said about that. If you genuinely feel sorry, you don't hope it gets swept under the rug. You yeah. get out in front of it and you apologize. And, I, and I'd like to see more of that." Uh, this is going to go on for a long time. This, you, whatever happens with Mark Crawford, it's just the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be a long reckoning that's taking place in hockey at every level. Um, I, 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 I saw Aaron Portsline's story today. Yet. I don't know if he had a chance. I did not. Those, There's so much good stuff on the athletic. You just can't. Yeah, keep but he, when he dug in the kind of. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but it kind of. He he dug in the you know Tortorella and what whether he fits his culture and you know he he the story of his leads about how Columbus called him in. Um, basically, every, everything was breaking to say, you know, is there anything that we should know about? And I, I guess the NHL did the same too, because I mean, that's the last thing is you want to, 
you wouldn't get caught, you know, caught with any of this on your watch too. So, you know, he, he said there was nothing. And, and then, you know, Portsline did his own research and, and basically found that, yeah, he's certainly, he's aggressive and he's, he's he can be verbal, but he, they, you know, none of his players, you know, it seemed like he talked to players on the record and background that no one said he ever crossed the line. But I'm sure those are the discussions that are happening within many, many offices right now. Like, the, you know, what, what do we have to worry about that was under our watch? Absolutely. Um, it was, it's interesting with the Bill Peters thing, and, I, and I've tried to do a little bit of research too to figure out what the Hawks may have known with with the Akima Lou thing. And um, you know, I, I talked to someone just recently that would would have had an idea of what was going on in that Rockford room, and, and the, the person swore the Blackhawks had no knowledge of uh, of the N word. Um, I, I wasn't. I'm not. I haven't been able to find out whether a letter exists or what it says in the letter. And I. Um, at some point, at some point, John McDonough and Stan Bowman are going to have to talk and answer questions, and and I and I get that they're probably doing investigations on multiple multiple things right now. But eventually, those guys talk, and I hope they're able to clarify what what they knew and what they didn't know, what letters said, and why why decisions were made, and and even why Mark Crawford. Um, you know, they, they certainly there was a lot of talk about Mark Crawford's experience and what he brought to Jeremy Carlton, but what did they know? And is it stuff that they cared about then or now? Uh, now, how do you view it? And yeah, certainly, a lot of the questions that we're talking, you know, amongst ourselves, it'll be nice. Uh, eventually, I, I hope the Blackhawks will answer these too. Yeah, you know, sunshine's the best disinfectant, and the more we know, the 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 better we can kind of move forward here. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm getting killed a little bit online for you know for the Robin Leonard stuff because not everybody wants to hear it. Not everybody likes hearing alternate perspectives. I don't agree with everything Leonard said in this interview, not by a long shot, but you know, he said it the same way. He said, we can disagree on things and, and still talk about it like adult human beings, and that's something that's lost in the modern discourse. He mentioned the Fox News MSNBC dynamic where everyone just gets all their information from the same place and never hears any alternate perspectives. So Leonard has an interesting perspective. He's a guy who went through a lot of mental health issues and almost drank himself to death, let alone out of the league. So... His perspective is worth listening to, whether you agree with him or not. We're going to play the whole thing here. Uh, it's almost exactly 20 minutes long, so if you've already read it or heard it or don't want to hear it, just skip ahead 20 minutes and we'll catch you on the flip side. Uh, this is uh, Wednesday morning after practice at Fifth Third Arena, uh, me and Robin Leonard. I didn't get to lot of, say a lot of intelligent things because Leonard's like a freight train when he gets talking and it's hard <laughs> to get a word in, but uh, uh, it's worth hearing what he has to say, whether you agree with it or not. It's, it, it's an interesting perspective. I mean, the hockey culture is changing. Uh... Uh, but we still don't have close enough tools to be able to self-assess and, and self-evaluate and, and learn. Uh, that's what I see with this whole coaches thing that I think is ridiculous at the moment. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's all about it's only, in my opinion, it only comes down to mental health education. That's the, the whole answer. That's the whole issue. But no one looks at it that way. But it's. In my opinion, is all it is is mental health education. You're talking about the, the where everything that's going on with the coaches in this league right now. The, the, the whole discussion from the, coach, from the coaches' side too. Yeah, only for the, from the coaches' side. You're treating people like that or something. No, it's not. It's not the. I can say that. I can say pretty open and honestly that I believe that 95% of every type of that type of scenario of the coaches' discussion that's up in the moment right now, 95% of them of these coaches, they're not evil people. Maybe 5% of maybe are an evil person. These people are not evil people. They're not bad people. They don't want to screw people over. But we're judging, we're judging people's actions 
many, many years ago through today's society's glasses, which is highly immoral. And it's... Uh, um, so what I mean with that is 10 years ago when I came into the league, 15, 20 years ago, those things were the norm. It was the norm because they, these types of people thought that that was the best way of bringing performance. I think in general, hockey and sports system in general stems from the military quite a bit on how to get ready your troops to go into battle and how to, uh, what they thought at the time is the best way to prepare someone to be, become stronger or to be able to take pressure. And that was the education level back then. That's what they thought worked. And is that a, does that make them a bad person or make a doing, a doing what? It's a fundamental misunderstanding. No, no, but it's, again, it's, they're doing what they thought was best to bring out best performance. And if that was, if that was good, more, uh, if that was morally good or not, that's, that can't be discussed today. Because back then it was. It, it, it was not just accepted, it was the norm. It was, back then it was the way. In different levels, some were worse, some were, some were not. Uh, so if we're going to sit now and judge people on how things was back and then, that was totally normal and call them bad people and call them bad human beings and call them out, then people should start asking themselves what type of person they are. They are because in the end of the day, I think, comes back to what I'm saying with mental health education, if these coaches or people in general will know what type of effects that type of uh, that type of system has on a men on, on mental health level and that it probably has a long line of of the people that couldn't handle it that didn't make it that couldn't stay in the league what the line of uh, consequences are of being highly insecure leads to anxiety and depression and drug abuse and suicide and all these things if that would be pinpointed and taught back in the day do you think that these cultures would have continued? No. Well, that's they wouldn't. We're learning more every day. No, but again, but now we're judging the person. We are judging the people, and we're letting the cancel culture, the cancel culture, social media pressure to destroy people's lives. And when I see people online, and I mean, I've had personal talks with Carcillo, when I see, when I, I agree with Carcillo with a lot of things, and I disagree highly with a lot of things as well. But when I see, well, you have to go and get educate, uh, get rehab, uh, reha these coaches need to go get rehabilitated and get treatment and say they're sorry publicly. I'm like, who are, who are we to say that they're going to have to say they're sorry? For what? For doing what they thought was right at the moment at that certain point in time? Are they going to say they're sorry for that? Yes, they treated people bad. They treated me bad. They treated a lot of us bad. But it was the norm. It was, that was the way. So what did they have to say they're sorry about? Doing their job? Well, because there's, there's, uh, that, there's uh, a line even back then that they should have thought that got I mean, yes, I, I agree with that. There's racist lines, 100% agree. And there's a fine line with the physical abuse, the physical abuse. But don't tell me verbal abuse had a line, because that's not what it is. Then you go to an army general and tell him that as well, because this, the, I believe that the whole culture comes from that, how to ready your troops. And how to, they thought that the moment they helped people, I truly believe they thought the moment a lot of them, I'm not saying everyone, but a lot of them, try to, try to help people. 
But again, we're judging people for verbal abuse, but you know, look around all the sports leagues. How many uh, uh, domestic violence uh, cases are still playing in every league? How many criminals, how many drug dealers are still playing a game and they're being idolized? And how many rappers, singers have have been... One wrong doesn't make another wrong. No, no, it doesn't. But what I'm saying is a double standard. And why does these people deserve to get their lives cancelled because of public pressure without no no fair fair hearing, without being able to tell their side of the story? You understand what I mean? I don't accept... I'm not condoning the behavior. I'm saying they weren't educated at the time. And at the time, it was the cultural norm on how to do things. It was to say, go back 20 years and see how people raised their kids. Is that accepted how, the, how people sure. raised their kids 20, 30 years ago sure. in today's lenses? Sure. We can have a discussion about that. It's the same thing. But it's just now it piles on on these coaches. They're just the next ones. They get to take the, take the next blame and the societal shift. It's not condoning the behavior, but the behavior, listen, it was accepted back then. End of story. And that was, they, they're not evil people. They did not do it to, to destroy people's lives. They didn't understand that they did do that because that's what they were taught. They were shaped by their own experiences. They were treated the same way. And that's what they learned it from. If you're, if you're a racist in society, you know, what do you do? You lock him up for, the, for, for life, and you think that his family is not going to be racist? You think he's not going to be racist? Or do you rehabilitate him or educate him? How about instead of firing all the people, the NHL and everyone put in training programs about mental health to show all the coaches what that type of behavior can have as consequences on mental that. health. I guarantee you it will stop. But instead of fi- uh, let the public fire everyone, because it's the public, it's the cancel culture that's firing everyone. It is. It's the pressure from the public when they get one side of the story out and they can, we, we push the, the angle that they're such bad people with the limited information there are and we don't talk about the hundreds of people that will say that they love Crawford I, I, I love him it's been nothing but great to me and what he's done in the past I can understand, I, I don't know all the facts but what I'm saying is, I also understand in society back then it was just acceptable it was accepted right. and I, he's not an evil person he did things that thought it was going to get better for certain people, no matter. And every coach is going to have a few guys that hates them. I hate a bunch of coaches as well. But do I think that they intentionally try to destroy me? There are some people like that, absolutely, in the league. There's the same as players. There's a lot of bad players as well. There's a lot of bad journalists. There's a lot of bad people in all areas. But the, the process of the cancel culture that's going on right now, instead of looking how to make change, because I want change as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Put in education on what consequences are of this type of behavior, and it would stop. And it would have stopped if that was in place 20 years ago and 10 years ago and 5 years ago as well. But back then, it was acceptable. And that was the norm. And they did what they thought was best. And now they're getting punished, and they're going to destroy their lives and their families and their reputations by a small amount of people coming out and saying, some pretty bad stuff. I'm not condoning uh, condoning it, but I understand. Again, fiscal abuse not okay, but to a, honestly, to a certain point, and that's not to try to sound crazy. Because I mean, I'm not saying you can choke a guy or kick a guy a certain place, but like back in the day, it was okay to tell someone to wake wake up. You know, we want to create narratives all the time. It's the same when I yelled at the bench coming off the ice 
if, if we want to make a narrative about me yelling at the bench when that happens every shift on every bench and there's goalies in the league every go goal they let in they scream at their defensemen and I'm a goalie that goes up and taps the boards every play and tr try to be positive and I, we let in five goals in a little bit more than a period and I tell my bench to wake up and it becomes a thing you understand what I mean yeah, no, it's all about narratives and what we pick and choose and this time it's the coaches and in half a year that's gone and it's the next next uh, unfortunate people instead of just honestly just talk about it in a good way and talk about what the solutions are pressure pressure us as players and the league to work together to put in put in mental health education and under, make everyone understand what it leads to. If you get verbally abused, and I've been verbally abused, no one talked about this when I said in the article, uh, uh, in, the, in the athletic article, that right when I came out of rehab, I had to spend a day with a very, very verbally downputting bad human being for a whole day when I was talking to one of the teams. Right. Because it's just how it is, man. And until we change the norms, it's well, not going to change. Yeah, but, but why do we have to change the norms at the cost of people's lives? No, we don't. I mean, you, but, there, has, there has to be some allowance no, to allow people to grow and develop. And, no, but we're not. We're throwing out a bunch of, we're throwing a bunch, out a bunch of, uh, a bunch of one-sided stuff online and let the public read it and say how disgusting these people are until, uh, until the higher echelons of every corporation gets pressured enough that they're too much of a liability and they lose their job. That's exactly what's happening. Where's all the articles about the hundreds of people that loves these guys? I haven't seen one. I saw one in Ottawa. No one retweeted that. No one in Chicago retweeted the Ottawa article with six players, six players saying good things about Crawford. Where's that retweet? The narrative is, is how it is. It's how a lot of guys don't want to talk about it because they know that. No, because we only want to talk about the bad stuff about these guys because they're, the, they're, they're the ones in line now. Mm -hmm. And it's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy and it bothers me because why it bothers me and I choose to talk about it even though they don't want me to talk about it is because I got a second chance. I was lucky enough to get a second chance. If this is the narrative we go by, I should quit today and another 10 guys for this team because we're none of us are perfect. If these are the if, if if these are the norms, you probably should quit too. You're not perfect, probably. Probably not. No, but we we like to just choose certain people, and now we're going to attack them, and you're gone. It's not certain things are not okay. But say that they even was with the fullest of in, bad intent back in the day, from one of these coaches. Does it mean that he hasn't been able to change over that's the last exactly ten right. years? That's, that's, that's but, the greater. But what's his way out? What's his way out? What's his second chance? I mean, I don't like Bill Peters. After what he did to Eddie Lack openly, as a go uh, and I like Eddie Lack, and I saw what he did to him in Carolina, I don't like him. But he apologized, didn't he? So what's the way out? I don't know. There is none, because when you get in the cancel culture, you're done. Done. And media have a huge part to play in this, because we show only one side of the issue, not all sides. And there is no second chances. This is the land of second chances, supposed to be. I got a second chance. I was incredibly lucky to get a second chance. But if we change the culture and the, the real stigma around mental health and all this stuff and understand that mental health is what leads to addiction and maybe the pressure around a lot of these things and all those things combined that we're talking about are leading to those things, people will open their eyes for once and maybe if GMs, owners, even players can open their eyes that stop judging people 
about what problems they have when they have the exact same problems. I get judged about being an alcoholic or an addict when I know that a lot of owners and uh, owners and uh, GMs and other players are also the same things, but they make decisions about me. You know, it's so backwards, and unfortunately, the coaches are just next, next in line to get the axe. And it bothers me because I got a second chance. I believe everyone deserves a second chance. But now just everyone's just put a microscope on them and only on the negative, nothing on the positive. Build the bad, as bad case as possible until they're fired. And then we go to the next issue. It's highly inappropriate, man. And we need to be able to disagree with one, in, uh, one another. We need to be able to, like, I can be your best friend, even though I, you believe totally different than me. Well, it's okay, course. you know, but I like you guys. I follow what you guys are saying. And even, like, I think you tweeted, you know, if you don't, kind of in the realms, you know, if you don't, if you believe these things yesterday, you get the fuck out of here, right? Is that not what you said? I, I said basically that if you think well, I don't believe that fear way. is the only way to coach successfully, then yeah. Yeah, but that's, again, I think that's an uneducated opinion because that's what the military does. A lot back in the I day. I want to see that in civilian. No, I know, I know, but that's what at the time they thought was the right I, thing. I understand that, and I, you I, know, I had a third tweet not, where I said you have to see what you have to allow people you. to grow and develop you. and change. That's the problem we have is we don't know how to handle I, and I, ten-year-old accusations because a guy might have changed between them. But what do you do yeah, about something that wasn't because we're the first time. we're shaped by the culture and society we live in. So they were shaped by back then. And then progress happens and they get reshaped. Otherwise, they get canceled out of the league anyways because the younger players are not going to respond to them. And do you see that with a lot of co the older type coaches? Yep. They're getting fired, aren't they? Because of production, not about a lot of other things. Right. So it, if you don't change, you fall out anyway. So the culture, society shapes you as you go on. What I'm saying is it's, it's, it's not black and white, and I don't condone any of this stuff. I'm, not, I'm just saying back then it was okay, and that was the norm, and they thought they did the right thing. And some of them went too, ba too much, and some of them went, but even if they went too much, why can they not get a second chance to change? Because usually when you give a person that made, done wrong in his life a second chance to change, usually he turns it around, learns from experience We're in agreement and becomes... Yeah. We're in agreement. No, and I believe that's why I talked to you about it, because yeah. I think you have a strong voice about it. But again, do you see what I'm that, saying? That's though? The like problem. the narrative... That's, that's what we as a, as a culture are trying to figure out is what do you do... And the media is the ones. Old. The media is the ones. You guys got to understand. You are the ones. We were, we were as players, even as... C celebrities are in them. We're not the ones. Mm -hmm. People really don't listen to us. They listen to you guys. And what you guys decide to do, especially that's why I love the athletic, because I believe the athletic look deeper into things, shows both sides of the story. Mm -hmm. That's what needs to happen. It's both sides of the story because you need to be able to you can't. You need to be able to look at all sides of the facts before making an opinion these days. Unfortunately, that's not what happens in society. You listen to one outlet, and that's how it is. Or the other outlet, and that's what it is. Isn't that the biggest problem in the U.S. right Absolutely. now? Absolutely, of course. But how it's about the Fox News versus MSNBC? Yeah, exactly. But you know when it's going to change? When a new outlet comes out that shows all sides yeah, all the time. People watch it though. Like, yeah, but eventually, eventually, a lot of people. Yeah. But there's no option really out there like that yet. That's why I think about the athletic. Honestly, so we try. No, yeah. I know, and that's why I talked to you about it. And I don't want to go on a rant. This is a sensitive uh, subject, but I mean, I feel very strongly about it because I got a second chance. I well, believe people need second you, chances. You have a perspective that's more valuable than others because, like you said, you have gotten that. Yeah, for sure. I believe everyone deserves a second chance, even if they've been bad people. I've been a bad person.
Carcillo leads this charge right now. He's been a bad person. Mm -hmm. And now he gets to, to cancel people out. Now he gets to cancel because he's done his career and he's f finally doing good. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really commend him for ending the cycle of abuse, what, he, what, he's, what he's done now. It doesn't mean that he gets to, he and that whole movement and cancel culture in general gets to destroy these people's lives without a fair, fair process and an opportunity to change. Why do you have to lose your whole life? Why do you have to lose everything to be able to come back? Because you can't come back after that. Don't yeah. tell me that Peters is going to be back in the league. No, he's certainly it's not going to. I and, I, I, and I don't care about it. I'm not protecting him because I don't, I mean, again, I'm not, so I, feel, I, I can't I feel touch he, him. I feel he shouldn't come but, back. There's, enough, I, there's I, enough shit there that he's admitted I don't, to. I don't, I think that he should have a possibility to come back as long as he understands what he's done. And he has apologized. And if he gets a fair, when you give a person that you think, it, like Peters, a second chance, he's the biggest one that can, that can change things. Because he has gotten the axe. He can get his experiences, and he, he, he can actually change things for it because he was a bad, a bad one maybe that could turn something good. As I said, you don't just change a racist by, by just but it's destroying But it's a huge risk. That you have to understand as a, as a franchise, it's a huge risk to bring him back on. You're going to get backlash from fans. You're going to get backlash from media. Robin, you might not here. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys can keep talking. You don't know about good No team is going to take the PR risk. That's as much as anything. Is no team is going to take the PR no, risk. No, now you're saying the same thing that I dealt with. That's why I can't. That's why I can't. That's why, that's why I can't negotiate my contract on the statistics like every other one Absolutely. in this league. Absolutely, that's what and, I'm going to ask you. And I, I haven't been a good person in my past. Have I turned into a pretty good person? I think so. Do, am I showing every day that I'm a good person? Certainly seems so. Yeah. And, and. I take responsibility, try to make change, but is it fair that I'm not maybe going to be able to live my life in the same, same level as everyone else in this league is? Again, it's because of perception, risk and reward. There's ways to change those things. You, I mean, it's, it doesn't need to be black and white. With the right education, with the right things in place, you, you can figure it out. Again, it's all lies. Because all these people that makes these decisions, that fires these people, that decides about contracts, or in general world that uh, hires people in corporations, how do you think they got there? You think they're good people? Certainly they're not. Operations. But we pretend they are. <laughs> we pretend they are. It's as much as we pretend that no one has issues and no one has mental health problems. We, we all deal with something. But we pretend that we're so much better than everyone else, and then Again, back, this, the cancel culture is killing me because the hypocrisy is out, out of this world. It really is. And I feel bad that the coaches are the ones next in line to get destroyed with no fair hearing, no fair structure. And we as a league and players haven't given them an opportunity to change. We haven't taught them. We haven't educated them. We haven't educated ourselves. No one in this league has mental health education, which is the biggest, most important thing. Well, that's why your voice is important. Yeah, but the right people have to listen. And I appreciate the time, man. So there you have it. Uh, it was uh, it was an interesting conversation. It, it, it attracted a couple of other reporters who were listening in because when Robin Leonard talks, all of a sudden ears start perking up because. Uh, it's again, whether you agree with him or not, he's a very interesting guy with a with a unique perspective. And you know, 
nobody wants to talk about this stuff. Nobody wants to ruffle any feathers. It, it goes against hockey code to to ever talk about this kind of thing. So I have a lot of respect for Leonard for being always so open and willing to engage in this kind of thing. Yeah, no, it, it's because uh, he. It wasn't like we even uh, asked him. You know, like it's something that he wanted to talk about, and yeah. and for him to come out and. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's not the conversation the Hawks want, to, want him to be having right now, too. So it's uh, the, the PR team was hovering, but they let him go. Like they even came by, and you know, one of the PR guys came by. I think it was Adam Rogwin, and goes, "Hey, just so you know, the bus they had to go to. The, they, have a, they had a flight to Boston. He goes, we got to get you got to get on the bus for the flight soon." And uh, and Robin's like, "Okay." He's like, "No, but keep talking." They, they were, the, the Blackhawks PR was cool about it. They knew that yeah. Robin wanted to talk about it, and uh, you know, it, 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 it's good that they trust him to express his own views and and. And, and let him do that. I appreciated that too. Yeah. Um, at some point, we'll talk hockey solely again. You know, the, the hockey's more depressing than this almost. So I'm not <laughs> even sure that people want that. But yeah, this is going to be a, I feel like we say this a lot, but this will be another telling stretch for the Hawks. We'll, we'll, yeah. me, me and Scott will talk again on Monday. Uh, I'll be traveling to Vegas that day. So we'll figure out a time to do this. Maybe we'll, oh, maybe we'll do it after the Sunday night game in, against Arizona. Win us some money. And, uh, Win us some money, yeah. I'll play with house money. I got a couple hundred bucks from last time, nice. three weeks ago. You keep giving me the Vegas trips, so. Um, yeah, because well, I, I wanted to go to St. Louis so badly in December, so. Yeah, that's really weird. You, uh, you kind I of do, really I, wanted I, that I actually one. do like taking the train there, so I'm not going to lie. You and Mark Potash, you guys in your trains. <laughs> so uh, uh, we'll so talk. We'll see how they do against Boston and New Jersey and uh, Arizona. Uh, I have a story running Thursday morning that is actually fun. I have a fun story. You're allowed to have fun <laughs> stories even when things are bad. Uh, so look for that. And uh, what do you got, Scott? Uh, yeah, I'm out here in Boston, and there's the the moms trip. So uh, I'm not sure if they'll start. Yeah, the moms got a back to back with Boston and Newark. It's not very nice. Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, <laughs> I may try to get out to BU practice tomorrow. It's a it's a thought. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I there's some prospect stuff I want to do. I felt like uh, with so much going on that I haven't done some prospect stuff. So something that I'd like to do in the next few weeks. If there's one thing we can all accuse you of, it's not doing enough work lately. <laughs> I, I think we've both been pretty busy. So. Um, but, and uh, I'll be yeah, at the Bears we'll... game Thursday night, so that'll be fun. That'll be yeah, different. good. All right, we'll send, send, your, send our love to your parents. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're, uh... they're, wait, they're waiting anxiously outside. They're very hungry. We haven't, we're supposed to be going to dinner soon. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get back at it on Monday, and this is uh, Laz and Power. I'm Scott Powers, and he's Mark Lazarus, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya. Won't you let me